This is chapter one of the Apostolic Evangelist. There are basically three references in the New Testament concerning the evangelist. There's Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. There is also 2 Timothy 4, 5, where it says, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. And then there's also Acts 27 and verse 8, where it says, Philip the evangelist. And out of those three scriptures, we kind of base and understand the blueprint of, of how an evangelist works. So first of all, there is the man, and obviously he is the messenger. He is the person who brings the message. We're going to look at that. Secondly, the message, which is the gospel, and it is the practice of the evangelist to preach the gospel. Thirdly, there's the mandate, the ministry, or the potential of that gospel. The ministry is the potential of reaching cities and communities and, and other people and getting people saved. So the basic outline as we read in through these scriptures and, and looking in these different areas, the message of the evangelist, firstly, is found as in the basic outline that I find as you have many scriptures around there for you to, to read and to go through. But the highlight is for me is Isaiah 61 and verse 1 and Luke 4.18, because those two scriptures are almost the same except for one part of it, which illustrates and illuminates a, a massive truth. Uh, and that is the fact that both scriptures mention the, the, the part of it which says, set the captives free. Uh, Isaiah 61 says to liberate the prisoners, but in Luke 4.18 it says to open their eyes. So to liberate prisoners, you need to have revelation so they begin to see the real truth and the truth sets them free. And that is one of the essences of the gospel. That is echoed in Acts 26 and verse 18, where Paul was told that you have been sent to open the eyes, to get them out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, from the kingdom of Satan to the kingdom of God. And so there again, how does he do that? How did he do his ministry? It's simply by revelation of the truth. And so as a brief outline of what that is, is the part of the message in your notes are there. Also, the prodigal son and the good Samaritan are classics, illustrating basically this. The good Samaritan is the understanding of the transition from the Old Testament to the New Testament. The priest and the Levite came to the man on Jericho Road. The man on Jericho Road had left Jerusalem. He left the presence of God came to where the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, left him wounded, bleeding, half alive, half dead, robbed. The priest and the Levite came. The prophet and the law cannot touch you. But the good Samaritan, who is not a religious name brand, he is a good Samaritan, a no name brand, comes and reaches down and pours in the oil and the wine, brings healing and salvation, and takes them on. And so that is exactly what mercy is about, as the question was, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is your greatest commandment? And so that is born, that scripture, as illustrating and teaching that man in that parabolic form of salvation. The, the, prodigal, the, the prodigal son is about a person who leaves his father's house and the elder brother and the younger brother, the Old Testament prophets and the New Testament generation. It illustrates the Old Testament prophets as being the law and, G, and the younger son, the realm of mercy and grace. And what happens to an individual when mercy and grace is shown? He, he comes to his senses and he returns. And the Father welcomes him, which is the truth of salvation. So those two 
parables that Jesus talked about are classics around salvation. The preparation of the man is found in point A. The man, the preparation, is found in the area of Jerusalem and Judea. In your local church, in your Jerusalem and your Judea, where your local church is in the city, your Jerusalem, and Judea, the community that you live in, is where the man, the evangelist, and I think every fivefold ministry gift is raised up from. Because right there, as Philip has seen in Acts chapter 6, there are three areas of growth, I think, in a person's life to grow into the fullness of what God has for them. And that is found and shown in verses 3, 5, and 8. You'll notice in Acts 6, 3, 5, and 8, that the Holy Spirit is continually mentioned, but there is the growth with the Holy Spirit in his life to where he reaches the stature of the Holy Spirit and power. And that with Stephen, he went about with a power and ministered with power. And of course, we know that he was stoned. But then Philip picks it up and he continues that working out of a manifestation of the ministry of that power gift of the evangelist. Then we find point B is the public ministry, where he goes to Samaria. So he leaves his Jerusalem and Judea, and he goes to Samaria, which is what the evangelist does. He picks on some area to begin to work his ministry. And in Acts 8, that begins to work itself out. And there are two differences in Acts 8, which I want to highlight while you read your notes. is verse 4 and verse 5, Acts 8, 4 and 5. Verse 4 says, and they went about preaching the word. That's verse 4. Verse 5 is, and Philip went to a city called Samaria and preached Christ to them. There's a big difference in those two verses. The first verse, verse 4, is actually doing 2 Timothy 4 verse 5, doing the work of an evangelist. I think every believer should know how to win souls. Because it's in the winning of souls you discover your gift cluster. Most people want to know what their gift is, but never win souls. Friends, I tell you, while you win souls, you discover your gifting. So that is the, the basic believer to go, the Great Commission, go, preach, lay hands on the sick, cast out devils. That's verse 4. Verse 5 is a different thing. And verse 5 here is you to preach Christ because when that happens, you take on cities. That's the Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 gifting happening. And two things happened in that dynamic is when they heard, sorry, when they saw what Peter was saying, they listened differently. And, and that is always true. We need to see signs and wonders that causes us to pay greater attention to the gospel. The partnering is also found because in verse 14 of Acts 8, it says, when Samaria had received the word, notice evangelists, you preach the word. When they received the word, they sent Peter and John, Peter apostolic, John prophetic. And so the apostolic prophetic, the apostolic evangelist works with the apostolic prophetic coming down. And they come down and set up the church in Samaria and they all leave. So we find that there is a partnering in these. Also in Acts 21 verse 8, again, one of the seven that was in this Acts chapter 6 becomes one of the seven in Acts 21. The practice of, of the evangelist is found in point D, which is, again, is to work with team as in Acts 21. We come to finding the role in the local church, which is that he is to be based in a local church, function out of a local church, and to open up areas of community, whether it's to plant churches, 
to establish a site church, to gather people so that the apostolic team can build. An evangelist is basically the dynamite in the quarry. Once the stones have been released, the apostolic, the master builder, and the prophetic, the line maker, begins to establish the corners of the foundation of truth and begin to, in a physical building, build a building, but in lives establish those truths that, they're, that are preached. And one other thing I do want to mention here is that the evangelist is not just a froth and frenzy man that goes out there and begins to shout and perform. No, evangelist, I want to tell you that your greatest job in bringing the gospel is the Hebrew six foundations, repentance from dead works, faith towards God. Those two go together. You will not repent unless you have faith in something. You'll never let go of something that you have until you see something better to get a hold of. And that is the part of the gospel. Signs and wonders make you realize that there's more to just saying something. There is the demonstration of the saying of that something to become truth. And then there's the baptisms, which is the Holy Spirit. As we see in Acts 8, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they moved on because there is the foundation of those things that he preaches. So for an evangelist, right from the onset, chapter 1, as your ministry, learn, understand, and preach the Hebrew 6 foundations at a crusade or at an open-air event. I have done that every time. So, Kia, what do you preach when you go out to do a five, six-day event out there winning souls in some little town somewhere? You've got your answer, Hebrews 6. And you labor those through and you bring them truth because you are the first one to touch a person's life. And the thing that you are to deposit is the truth to keep them in their life to eternity. And that is the gospel message. Mm -hmm.